0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christ the King Presbyterian Church, our service this morning, meeting in an unusual place. I'm here in my uh, office at home, and I trust that those of you who are with us this morning are in your homes, hopefully uh, with some of your loved ones around you. But we thank you for taking the time to be with us and to join with us. None of us would design circumstances Uh, like this. I certainly don't enjoy uh, this type of connection, but here we are, and all I can say is we'll make the best of it, Uh, and we'll do as best we can to worship our God together in spirit and in truth today. I had a chance to talk to a lot of you this week just to connect a little bit, check in, and see how you were doing. I've been encouraged uh, to talk to you, encouraged with uh, hearing your faith and trust in the Lord and your desire to help others as well. Uh, And if there's anything we can do for you as a church, please let us know. I do want to look at a few of the announcements this morning. I hope you were able to print off the bulletin that was on the website. Uh, If not, you can probably pull it up uh, right now and look at it uh, as well as I'm talking. But the deacons are available. For anybody who has any particular needs, whether those needs are Uh, some physical help during this time, perhaps uh, shopping with something, or even uh, perhaps some financial help uh, during this time, we'd be glad to do whatever it is that we can. The names of the deacons are listed uh, there in the announcements, so please uh, take advantage of it. We would love uh, to help. Uh, We appreciate you being here this morning, and for those of you who are members of the church or who would like to join us, uh, we're going to be having, instead of an evening service tonight, an evening prayer meeting, and that will begin at 6 p.m. And like the service this morning, the prayer meeting will be at half an hour at 6 p.m. And while this is the uh, webinar format, a fairly static uh, format, that will be an actual video conference where we will be able to interact together. So we invite you to join us once again. And while we're having those Sunday evening prayer meetings, we won't be having our first Wednesday uh, of the month congregational prayer meetings. We'll be doing it more regularly on Sunday evening, so please join us for that. Uh, I've talked to a number of you who were involved in the home fellowship groups, the home Bible studies uh, this week, and you were able to participate with those online. It seemed to be an encouragement for everybody, the best that could be done. If you'd like to get involved in a group, please let us know. John Erickson or one of the leaders of the small groups will be glad to try and get you into a small group. It's a great way to stay uh, connected with people. Uh, obviously, our service is going to be a little bit truncated uh, today. The circumstances are different. We've tried to keep as many of the elements of the worship uh, the same as we possibly can. A few things uh, that we won't be able to do, uh, of course, we won't be able to uh, collect an offering. And so we provided some direction. Several of you have asked about giving uh, during this time when we can't be together. And there are indications there in the announcements about how you can do that, whether Uh, you'd prefer to mail in uh, a check or whether you'd prefer to uh, do that online. Either one is an option and you can take advantage of that. Another thing that we're not going to do in our service this morning that we love to do when we are together, of course, is singing. I was really thankful for Bonnie's offer and willingness to record the hymns that would go along with the service today and those should be linked uh clearly on the website so that as a family either uh after the worship or sometime today if you'd like to sing along to her familiar playing of those hymns i think it would be uh, a blessing for you uh, to do that so appreciate bonnie's help uh, with that Uh, a lot of folks have helped to try and set this time up this morning uh, but i need to give uh, a little special love and thanks to nate huber who has put in a ton of work to be able to uh, allow us to meet together in this format this morning. So Nate, thanks, appreciate all of it. Uh, In our service today, there are some responsive parts of the service or at least parts that we'll do uh, in unison, including uh, our confession of sin, our confession of the faith and the Lord's Prayer. I hope that you will be able to join in uh, for that. If you hear another voice while I am uh, doing those parts as well, that's Lauren's voice, she's uh, sitting to my, uh, to my left here. So if you hear another voice at those points, that is who it is. Uh, if you hear a dog barking during the service, that's Nelson. Uh, we've, uh, we've, we've, we've put him down as best we could, but if some other dog walks by and gets him upset, uh, you'll know that you'll hear it and we won't be able to do uh, much about uh, that. Let me invite you, I'm only gonna do this one time so that we don't have to go up and down in our various rooms where we are. But as we come into worship, let me invite you to stand with me right now as I lead us in uh, the call to worship this morning and then the invocation. Let us worship God and let us hear God calling us to worship him. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's join together in prayer. Our great God and heavenly Father, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love we thank you that you did not allow jesus to see corruption and decay but raised him up from the dead and with you in him is life everlasting and pleasures forevermore we pray that in this time you would allow us to worship you in spirit and in truth lord you know and we know that this is an unusual circumstance for us it's not usual for Uh, our kids to be in this kind of setting, for us to be in this setting and not be physically uh, with each other, and we regret it. And yet we ask uh, that you would enable us by the uniting work of your spirit to worship you together as your people. We thank you that worship is not restricted to one mountain or to another mountain, but to every place wherein people shall call upon you, shall your name be lifted up and praised. So We ask that your name would be glorified in our service today, and we ask that you would comfort us and minister to us, your people, grant to us your strength. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you'll uh, take your bulletins, as is our uh, custom and pattern, and as is appropriate when we come into the presence of our God in worship, we're going to confess our sins together with the words that are printed in the bulletin so let's confess together our gracious father you sent your son to die and rise to new life in order that death might be brought to an end and that we too might live a new life yet foolishly we have chosen death over life in our thoughts words and deeds we have rebelled against you and your intentions for us in so doing We have broken our fellowship with you, whose love is better than life, and whom to know is life itself. In so doing, we have hurt others, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes deliberately, and have diminished their lives. In so doing, we have damaged ourselves who have been created to reflect your beauty. Father, forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. Hear these words, this promise of forgiveness from a combination of Isaiah 43 and Psalm 103. The Lord says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far, does he remove our transgressions from us? Well, as you will uh, see in just a few moments, our our sermon this morning is going to come from uh, John 14, and I was trying to think of an Old Testament passage that would correspond well to the thoughts of John 14, to the promises that Jesus gives of preparing a place for that. In Psalm 16, Uh, came to mind in particular. We opened our worship. The call to worship was the second half of Psalm 16, and our Old Testament reading is the first portion of this uh, great psalm, which seems great for every age and in our particular time and in this particular circumstances. uh, So too is it great for us to hear this portion of God's word. I read it for us. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The psalmist was convinced of his inheritance because of the promises of God and the providence of God. Jesus was convinced of his inheritance. And it is indeed a beautiful inheritance and secured for us by the one who did not see decay you did not verse 10 of the call to worship you did not let your holy ones see corruption instead god raised jesus up and he not only raised him from the dead but he caused him to ascend to his right hand and in the apostles creed we confess together that the lord has ascended to heaven and in our affirmation of faith, which you'll find on page two of the bulletin, the Heidelberg Catechism explores what this means. When we say he ascended into heaven, what exactly does that mean? It means that our Lord is in heaven with all of these benefits. So if you as individuals and families will respond with the bold, uh, I'll, I'll read the questions, but I'll read the answers along with you as well. What do you mean by saying he ascended to heaven? that Christ, while his disciples watched, was taken up from the earth into heaven and remains there on our behalf until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. But isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? Christ is true human and true God. In his human nature, Christ is not now on earth but in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our own flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends his spirit to us on earth as a corresponding pledge. By the Spirit's power, we seek not earthly things, but the things above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Let's, uh, let's join together in prayer. I'll lead us in prayer for a couple of minutes, and then we'll join our voices together in the Lord's Prayer, which is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray. Great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that we, your people, can come before you. And though we are not gathered uh, physically together, uh, we are gathered in your name. We are gathered as people who love you and who are seeking to honor you. We thank you that, Jesus, you sit at your Father's right hand, and even now, as we intercede, you Intercede on our behalf. Thank you for your work there. Thank you for being there. And as we'll read in just a moment, preparing a place for us that we might be with you, that we might uh, find our hope and our dwelling place for all eternity with you. Lord, you know this world. You know the troubles that confront this world. You know the concerns that reside deep in many of our hearts right now. We lift them up before you. Lord, uh, the world has reacted to this pandemic, this coronavirus, and we pray that you would turn men's hearts towards yourself, that in the midst of this, people would look to you and cry out to you for help. Lord, we pray that you would stem the increase of this disease, that you would help those who are suffering with it even right now. We pray for their relief. We pray for their comfort. We pray for their healing. Uh, It's beginning to come closer to us, and many of us know friends uh, or others who either have been tested or have been diagnosed uh, with the coronavirus. And we pray that you would watch over each one of them. Lord, we also thank you for those who are seeking to care for those who are sick, uh, and every level of that, we pray for them. We pray for their protection. Uh, we pray that you would grant them courage and skill to be able to care well for those who need it. We pray uh, for those who are seeking to lead well in the midst of this uh, crisis, for those who are seeking to make wise decisions and to provide uh, for those who are seeking to care for others. And we pray for those who are working even now to develop not only treatments, but to develop vaccines uh, for this. We pray that you would watch over them. We pray that in the midst of this, you would help us, your people, to be able to do that which is good, to trust in you, to not be afraid, to work where we have the opportunity uh, to work and to love and serve our neighbors wherever we have the opportunity to do exactly that. Lord, fill us with hope in you, fill us with trust in you. Be with those around the world who are seeking to care uh, for others, and we think particularly of our missionaries, many of whom are in countries uh, that may not have as good a care of as the U.S. Uh, Think of Calvin and Gita in particular, who are separated, Uh, Gita in India and Calvin here in the States with the kids, watch over them and help them to serve you uh, with courage and with trust. Jesus, thank you for teaching us to pray and we join our hearts and our voices together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well we turn to our sermon our homily this morning and uh, I think it was one month ago, one month ago, the end of February was the last time that I preached for us and in that time or at that time I finished us, John chapter 13. And so we're going to pick right back up uh, where we left off in John chapter 14 uh, this morning. And as a reminder, because it's easy to have forgotten between that time, John 13 and then what follows in the chapters uh, subsequently, this is the night of betrayal. Uh, Judas has left. Judas has been sent out uh, by Jesus. And Jesus himself has embodied and exemplified love to his disciples love to the end and of course just before this he has called on them to love one another even as he has loved them now immediately if you have your bibles open in the verses right before this you remember this is the section where also jesus has told the disciples and peter in particular that He, Jesus, is now going to be going away to a place where they cannot follow. And in that time, even Peter, Peter the Strong, Peter the Rock, will fail him. And with that begins this farewell from Jesus that really takes us for the next four chapters in the Gospel of John. But he begins it thus, hear the word of God We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Father, we thank you uh, for these words that have been preserved for us, the words of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Spirit of God. Minister them to us this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let not your hearts be troubled. There are so very many places in the Bible that we might turn to looking for comfort in days such as these, but when uh, Lauren and I, in, in uh, talking with the elders, made the decision to end our rather short-lived uh, sabbatical, and I thought about what to preach, because of course I hadn't been planning on preaching right now, I thought, you know what, I can't think of a better place to be than the place where we already were. I mean, if if you think about, think about your, your Bible for a moment, think about the words you might hear from our Lord. Are there sweeter words to hear from the Lord of life, from the King of kings, from the one whom the wind and the waves obey, from the one before whom diseases, whether they be infectious diseases or not, they flee before him? What words would you rather hear? And from what person would you rather hear them, them from Jesus when he says to us, let not your hearts be troubled that is majestic sweetness on the lips of our lord we hear a lot of speaking these days and a lot of people saying a lot of things what jesus says here is not fluff it's not bravado it's not sentimentality it's not bluster of some sort It's not just flowing from a a good attitude or a feigned optimism or, or just kind of trying to put a best spin on things that are going on in the world. This instead is something different. It is omnipotent comfort. There is only one voice that can offer this comfort. It is omnipotent comfort from the king of kings when he says to his people, let not your hearts be trouble. It speaks to our soul. It speaks to real people, to people who find themselves in real trouble. This isn't pretend trouble. Jesus isn't trying to make uh, believe in this situation. Remember that when Jesus speaks these words to the 11, and it's 11 now because Judas has left, and when he speaks them to them and through them to us, he speaks as the one who on this night is facing himself a world of trouble. He is troubled. And it's critical for us to understand that so that we we realize that, yes, trouble is going to come. It's going to come into our lives and into our hearts. That in and of itself isn't the wrong thing. Jesus himself was troubled. Uh, If you've got your Bibles open, you can just flip back one page to John 13, 21, where we read, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Or you can go back uh, one more page, John chapter 12, uh, verse 27, when Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. Trouble is upon him. The trouble of the world is about to break over top of him. It's about to crush him. Jesus knows trouble. Jesus is not a stranger to trouble. Jesus is not a a, a distant Lord or a King who's sitting in some place completely safe from everything else, saying to us, hey, nothing can happen to us. Everything's gonna be fine. Instead, he became a man and he knows trouble. He knows trouble externally, and he knows trouble internally. He knows it in his soul. But, and this is the critical thing, This is the transformative thing about trouble and about Jesus. Trouble doesn't consume him. Trouble doesn't own him. Trouble doesn't dominate him. He can be troubled of soul without it owning him. Because in the midst of his trouble, what we have seen him in John already do, and what we will see as the rest of this follows, Jesus, when he is troubled, continually entrusts himself, body and soul, to his father. That's what he does with his trouble so that he's not owned by it. He entrusts himself to his father because his father is trustworthy. And what is perhaps even more stunning as we come to this passage today is in the midst, in the very heart of his own trouble, when many of us get so focused upon ourselves and our own trouble that we can't hear somebody else's trouble in the midst of his own trouble, Jesus is actually more concerned about the trouble of others. He's addressing them. He knows that in this world, they in this world, we will have trouble. The carefree life, the worry free life, the trouble free life. That's all an illusion. it's all a lie when it comes to this world there's trouble ahead and there is trouble behind as jesus said in other places in the gospels there will be earthquakes famines and pestilences plagues there will be wars and rumors of wars, there will be, especially for those who have followed Christ in places all around the world, including these men here, there will be beatings, there will be death, there will be betrayal, there will be trouble out in the world, around us, among us, in us, there will be trouble. And with full acknowledgement of the fact that there will be trouble in experiential appreciation of it, Jesus has the love and the authority to say, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, I can imagine this scene, uh, and and we of course have a question from Thomas as we move along, but I'm going to put a few more words in Thomas' mouth in order to see a little bit more into this. One can imagine at this point, that you've heard the words from the Lord, let not your hearts be troubled. You can imagine that maybe a hand goes up from amongst the disciples and the hand goes up and and kind of sheepishly says to Jesus, you know, sir, uh, master, rabbi, uh, teacher, Lord, Lord. How? How How do you do that? I hear what you're saying. Let not your hearts be troubled. But how do I actually allow that to take place in my life? And Jesus, in that implied question, Jesus is glad to answer it. In fact, he's going to spend four chapters answering that question. How do you let your heart not be troubled? But here he begins, and he begins with perhaps the most significant thing, the response that he gives. How do you not get swallowed up by trouble? Believe. Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That word gets translated a variety of ways. It is just as easy for us to say in English. How do you not get swallowed up by trouble? Faith. Faith. Have faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. Or perhaps it would be best in this context to say again. Same word. Trust. Trust. In the midst of trouble. Trust God. And trust me. The Apostle John, who has written for us this gospel, of course, wrote letters later in the New Testament. In 1 John 5:4, as he's writing and as he's reflecting on this, this is what he says, this is the victory, and I'm quoting, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You wanna overcome the trouble in the world? Do we wanna overcome the trouble In our hearts and in our souls, the victory is our faith. Not a general faith, but a faith in God, a faith in Jesus. In the midst of trouble, trust, have faith, believe. And in the midst of trouble, Jesus continues, remember. Remember. Remember what I have told you. Remember what I am telling you now, because what I am telling you now to comfort those hearts of yours, that feel trouble, that experience trouble, is that I am going to prepare a place for you. And I am going to return and take you to that place and to that place where you will always be with me. Now the disciples to this point have been both confused and troubled by Jesus speaking to them of his impending departure. If you look, if you've got, again, if you've got your Bibles open, just the verses right before this, John 13, 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter says, why can't we follow you now? Now, this has been a theme all the way through, John. Where are you going? Can we follow? After all, we're disciples. How can you be going someplace? We don't know where you're going. And you're telling us we can't follow you. That's exactly what we are supposed to do as your disciples. Jesus is, in fact, confirming his departure here. But what he wants to emphasize throughout these chapters is if I go and I'm going to go, it's actually better for you. It's better for you because I am departing in order to go to a place that I will prepare for you and I will come back. And I will take you to that place. And by understanding these words here, and by understanding them in the context of all of Scripture and the promises of God, we know two great things about that place. One, Jesus is there. One, Jesus is there. It's a place with Jesus, and it's a place without trouble. There's no trouble in that place. Let not your hearts be troubled, because I am preparing a place for you where I will be, and there will be no trouble in that place. In the midst of trouble, believe. In the midst of trouble, remember the words and the promises that I am preparing a place for you. In the midst of trouble, remember there is a way out. There's a way out of trouble. Thomas is wondering, Lord, what's the way? Where, where are we going? How should we follow you? Where is the way? And Jesus says. At Thomas there's a way there's a way out of trouble getting the last word there's a way out of allowing trouble to consume you and it's not through cleverness and it's not through ingenuity or through your courage or through closing your eyes to the suffering of the world it's through me Jesus the great I am I am the way the truth and the life Jesus at this time is going to bear the trouble of the world in and of himself so that troubled sinners, troubled souls in a troubled world will find the way out of trouble in him. And here, Jesus is not merely showing us the way, although he does show the way. He's not merely teaching us the truth, although he does teach us the truth. And he's not merely giving us principles about life, although he guides us in life. He's saying, I am all of those things. The way out is because I am those things. Therefore, believe in God, believe in me, and remember what I've said. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Brothers and sisters, I gave you a list earlier in this uh, sermon from Jesus himself that there will be wars. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes, rumors of wars. Jesus said, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Do be vigilant. Do be cautious. Do love and serve. Don't be alarmed. Let not your hearts be troubled. Listen, just to be clear, Jesus isn't saying, don't worry, be happy. That's a slogan without any depth to it. Jesus isn't suggesting here that somehow we bury our heads in the sand and pretend that everything's well, pretend that there's not actually something out there in the world that is a dangerous virus. Jesus is saying, in the midst of that, you keep your eyes fixed on me because I'm in a place right now where I'm preparing for you a place without trouble. Be vigilant, be wise, and let not your hearts be troubled. Lord, we want to live well in the midst of this world and in the midst of this time, and we want to be trusting in you we pray that you would work that in us but we don't want to merely trust in you we want to love and we want to show others love and care and so help us do exactly that with the people who are closest to us uh with people who are our neighbors however we have opportunity to do do it let us do it let us do it with joy grant us that strength grant us faith jesus you are the way and the truth and the life And no one comes to the Father except through you. Amen. Receive the benediction. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, if we were at church together, what would happen at this point is Bonnie would start up a lovely little postlude. I'd walk down the aisle and we'd begin about five or 45 minutes of chatting and fellowship and being with one another and hugging one another. Uh, Webinars and uh, conference calls tend to end a bit more anticlimactically. They end when either I or Nate, in just a moment, clicks a button that says, end this call, and there will be an immediate silence, and it will be something like, what just happened? Uh, Well, that's what's going to happen. But C.S. Lewis said it this way, Christians never say goodbye. They say farewell. And so I'll say it it this way, uh, till we meet again. God bless you, and God be with you. Amen.